Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. My name is Christian Jack, and week one of the kickoff in Winnipeg is in the books. I'm delighted to be joined by my team as we recap a fabulous opening week in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, my team is all here. And by the way, if you missed it, the results were FC Edmonton nil, Atletico Ottawa won a goal late by BT Martinez in that one. Pacific FC had a very good performance uh, with goals from Bustos and Bassett against Halifax Wanderers by two goals to nil. Vala two forge nil. The champs were upset on opening day of their campaign. Uh, goals by Moses Dye in the penalty spot and Austin Ricci. And then Cavalry 2, York United 1 in the come on match of the week. Camargo and Escalante for Cavalry. Absi for York from the free kick. Uh, delighted to be joined by my team, Marty Thompson, Benedict Rose, Brady Reed, and Charlie O'Connor-Clark. Uh, good morning, everybody. Let's start with you, Charlie. Charlie, if you are on vacation right now in a foreign country wearing any CPL kit and you wanted people to ask you what is that kit what would you be wearing and why yeah i think the the first answer that comes to mind is probably the current forge kit just because it's bright orange it's got a dragon on it i think those are both you know a recipe for for people to ask about it love it great stuff good morning to you thanks for all your hard work this weekend (laughs) uh benedict over to you mate what are you wearing and why um, I think I might have this one behind me here, this Pacific FC kit. It's bright purple. It's recognizable as a football kit. And I think someone's going to ask and say, what, what kit is that? What team is that? And a uh, good chance to tell them a Pacific FC. You'll stand out in any country wearing bright purple, my friend. You, are you right? Marty, what about you, buddy? I'd say the new FC Edmonton kit because I can say that I'm wearing a jean shirt. Oh, That's more of an inside <laughs> joke. For those for those people that know that it's, it's designed after jeans. So. There you go. Good for you. And Brady, what about you, my friend? I was going to go Canadian tuxedo with the uh, Edmonton, but I'll, I'll take Valor. That, that shirt looked proper on the on the field this weekend, so I'll go Valor, I think, yeah. Okay, Brady yeah. going with Valor, already getting the good books of Mr. Rob Gale, who we'll be talking about a lot on this podcast. Uh, they were bonding over a press conference this week, and they're already becoming good buddies, uh, Rob and Brady, so we'll get into that. All right, a big weekend. We'll start off with the opening match of the weekend at the kickoff in Winnipeg. FC Edmonton nil, Atletico Ottawa 1. Lots of coverage on our website for that. Our correspondent in the newsroom for this game, Charlie, this was a a really good game of football, a game that we thought would cut, would start Start pretty slow in the heat. Um, it was a hot day. I know we're going to get into some of the conditions out there with our man in the bubble himself, but Marty in the second. But uh, a good game that Edmonton actually played pretty well in. But overall, your thoughts on this game? What we remember the most over the one 0 victory by Ottawa? Yeah, this was definitely. I mean, it was it was a one 0 game, but I think it was a busier game than I expected it to be. Uh, I think probably the thing that I'm actually going to remember most, even though Ottawa won, is how well Edmonton played in the mm-hmm. first half. Because I know a lot was made going in. Alan Koch specifically made a lot going in about how they hadn't had any kind of preseason than Ottawa had. Uh, but I thought that Edmonton was the better team in the first half. They uh, they played quite direct, and I think there were a few little tactical tricks that that Koch pulled out. You know, they had Jino Esua over in his wing spot on the right side, and they kind of overloaded the left with Charlie Mabusi and, and Paris G to kind of create that space for, for Geno Esua around the right side. And it really worked out pretty well a few times, I thought. They nearly nearly got a few more chances out of it. Uh, and if that's something they keep doing in the future, then I think this Edmonton team is going to be interesting. But the story of it is probably Ottawa and just how much more organized they look, especially their back line. It was maybe the straightest and most rigid defensive line I've seen in a while in the CPL. Mm. Uh, and that was obviously Drew Becky kind of is at the head of that. 
and it was it was really impressive just to see how kind of in sync they were and obviously there's a reason for that it's two month preseason but uh <laughs> it was impressive i think to see just the way that drew becky can come into this lineup immediately and that that back line is just so set i don't know if, if you guys would agree with that if anybody else has has you know something they want to they want to add on that no, it makes it makes sense, right? It, I, I would I would expected Brandon John to 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 play this season, but then yeah, looking at that back line, it's like, well, you know what? This this is this is your first choice. I thought I thought Kapoor was good as well. Yeah, you're you're bang on about the the defensive solidity for sure. Brady, what about you? What do you think of the game all all in all? Ottawa got the goal. You know, they they they, they as the game went on, it seemed like Edmonton got deeper. You know, Wojcicki had a lot of involvements as the game went on. You could see, but he got he came off and got tired. Obviously, Ongaro came on at that great chance, but as the game went on, they got a little bit deeper, and Ottawa were able to get the goal from VC Martinez. Yeah, I think uh, to some degree it was kind of a game decided by the substitutes. You mentioned the chance for Ongaro, and obviously that was set up by Vila as well, and. You know, they're on the pitch for like 90 seconds at that point, but unfortunately, you know, can't find the end product. And then I thought Ottawa made that triple sub with about 15 or 20 minutes remaining, and, and they kind of got a second win, didn't they? And then that was it, 82nd minute, they find their goal. And like you said, it, it, it kind of felt like it was coming a little bit towards the end. It was a game of, of ebbs and flows, but it, it probably felt like a game that should have been a draw, but I think Ottawa will take the three points all day. Back to you on this, Charlie. You are our correspondent on this game. Manella... Martinez, McKendree, I call them the M and M and M boys on our, our show on One Soccer. Um, M, M stands for midfield, and they won that midfield battle pretty well. Uh, I know they had a little extra man in there sometimes. It'd be interesting with Soto coming in whether they're all going to play together. Soto looks like a ten. Nunez played on one side, Telfer on the other, cutting in and often made up a lot more numbers in midfield as well. Overall, what was your impression of that midfield and also with the wide boys? And do you think this could be a team that could be really one of the strongest teams during this? eight game period over in Winnipeg. Yeah, I think so. By the way, I love that M and M and M thing. I'm going to, I'm going to run with that as well. I, I love that band. I <laughs> love that band. But yeah, I think just when we looked at these lineups coming into this game, that, that trio, you know, McKendry, Manella, Martinez, it looks really strong on paper and they backed it up. Uh, Chris Manella was playing a little bit further forward than I think we're used to. And I'm still not sure. I'm totally convinced that that is his best position in this right. team. And I think maybe, Maybe once again, as you mentioned, Alberto Soto is is ready to come in. Maybe we only get two of those M and M's in in kind of a dual pivot sort of thing. But uh, and then they we're were... eating M and M's, by the way, at that point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, they were they were really good. They kind of love playing off one another. I know McKendry and and Martinez were kind of doing a lot of these sort of quick passes in midfield, sort of little little triangles, which which is the hallmark of a team that's, you know, a little bit more match sharp because it's a lot harder to do that when you're not. Uh, but I think in general, they were quite dominant in the midfield. They had a lot of the ball. They weren't particularly rushed with it ever. They, they were very comfortable, you know, dropping it back to each other, cycling it backwards. And then when they needed to, they would play it out to those wingers. Ryan Telfer, especially, I think, really grew into the game. He's a little bit quiet in the first 20 minutes, especially when Edmonton had a lot more of the ball. Uh, but eventually they started finding him out on the wing and he would cut in pretty much every time with it, uh, playing as a little bit almost like a second striker behind Malcolm Shaw. And I think that that is going to work out pretty well for Ottawa. It looks like they're just a step ahead in terms of how they're able to move the ball forwards and, and move it 
between their players. And I think there's, they're going to do some, uh, some pretty cool things over this next month with just the way that they're able to play at the moment. Yeah, they look really strong. Uh, final word on this game again, back to you, Charlie, because I know you were our man on the ground covering this pretty much. What about Edmonton? I know you spoke to both coaches after the game as well. Alan Koch seems pretty happy with the performance, I think. He seemed, uh, I know he was pretty calculated in the way that he talks about his team and obviously just lose by a goal. By the way, the Vitti Martinez goal was special. Anyone who needs to go see it, you can, you can check out the highlights on our site and social, a left foot curl around the, the traffic in front. Uh, but from Koch's point of view in Edmonton, uh, they look pretty organized in there. And I know, sorry, I got a yellow card pretty early when Nunez was making a lot of runs around it, but he didn't he didn't necessarily get into interrupted by the flow in the game there. Shamit Shom had a good debut for them in midfield. We talked about Wachewski. Um, already a little bit of positive signs without the ball that looked like a bit of an improvement from a team that last year conceded too many goals in the Allen games. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, absolutely. I don't think there's really anything you can complain too much about if you're Edmonton after that game because they were right in it the whole way. I mean, as I said, I think they were probably the better team in the first half. There's a very good case to be made that they should have had a goal. Yes, that, that, that great point. Versh- that yeah. Vrshevsky strike, I don't really think Shamit Shom was offside. But, you know, it's it's the game and it, it happens. But, yeah, I think in general, just for them to be able to hold off a sharper Ottawa team for, what was it, 81, 82 minutes? Yep. Uh, and really, for a lot of those 80 minutes, not really be challenged all that much defensively i think it was a really really solid effort for edmonton and as they continue to grow and get a little healthier i mean once easton ungaro was ready to play 90 minutes for example then this team actually does have a lot of potential i mean i think shimit shom is a player we've highlighted before going into these games maybe a little quiet on saturday Mm. but again he's a phenomenally talented player and as all of these guys continue to to get their feet under them and grow into it i think edmonton is actually going to be Quite an interesting team to watch. Really good point about Shamit Shoma, player, obviously, for those who don't know, was with, obviously, CF Montreal, played quite consistently for them, ran out of chances to really get his opportunities there, now comes back to the Canadian Premier League, back to Edmonton as well, where he can start to get considerable minutes and be a massive difference maker. Must be just so comfortable for a player like that to know that you're just going to play. You know, when you're on the periphery and you train all the time and you're just wanting your chance and you're getting 10 minutes and five minutes here at the MLS level or the Canadian Championship level and bang, here you go. You are a big, big pillar for what Edmonton do. Coming up next for Edmonton Canada clash against Forge, uh, the champions, but both teams without any points so far on Thursday. That is 8 o'clock Eastern. Coming up next, Atletico Ottawa on Wednesday, 10 o'clock Eastern against Cavalry. We'll get to later in the show. All right, the next game we covered was the second game on the doubleheader on Saturday. Pacific FC 2, Halifax Wanderers nil. First off, the most important thing is to report that the Halifax Wanderers head coach Stephen Hart is fine. Uh, he tweeted out the message on the weekend. I know we all had a little bit of a scare. Certainly, I was broadcasting on one sock and we saw images of him being taken away on a stretcher, but it was just precautionary. And we all know Stephen does not like the spotlight, does not want it to be about him and was dying to get back on the sidelines and coach his team. So uh, best wishes to him. Thankfully, he's okay. Great to see the tweets that came out there as well. Uh, But the storyline on the pitch was not really about Halifax Wonders. We'll get into the issues with them in a second. Uh, Benedict Rhodes, you were our correspondent in this game. Pacific 2, HFX 0. A very good performance by Palmer Cars team. What did you remember the most about this game? What will you be your standout images from this match? Yeah, I think um, before the match uh, this week and also throughout the entire offseason, Pamadou has spoken a lot about how close this group is uh, on and off the pitch. They've had a lot of time training together, a lot of returnees from last year as well, of course. And uh, I think they showed that closeness and showed how comfortable they are with one another. I think the right-hand side of Bustos and, and Caden Chung as well, especially was 
mm. very good. And the, the midfield trio of uh, Aparicio, Jamar Dixon, and Dolly Bassett was incredible. We'll get to Bassett in a second, I think. And uh, I think just that the cohesion that the team showed was was really impressive and quite uh, obvious on on Saturday. Yeah, Bassett and Bustos with the goal. Uh, the Bustos blast didn't get take, didn't take long to get into that box and put it there. Just a great finish, by the way. Really, you can see when you go watch the goals on the highlights on on our site. He just gambles on the run initially, and then right away, like all great players do, surprises the goalkeeper with a shot that just goes a little bit early. He couldn't get his feet ready and curled it into the corner. Uh, and then Bassett strike. Uh, this was a special goal, Benedict. This is I competed a little bit. It wasn't quite obviously. It wasn't quite as far out and the and and and. and Look, there's no fans there, but those who remember the Steven Gerrard FA Cup final goal against West Ham, when the ball came out and he just takes a touch a little bit and thinks, and then the ball just bounces up perfectly off the turf. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my toes through this, bang, right through it, and a ball smashed into the back of the net. At this level, to see a player strike it like that was impressive. Overall, Bassett got our man of the match on the TV and on our site. So played a little bit more of a deeper role uh, than we initially thought. And anytime we can talk Aston Villa on the show, Charlie and I will be all over it. Uh, product of the Villa Academy already making a difference in the CPL. Uh, ben, your thoughts on Ali Bassett's performance? Uh, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Um, on both sides of the ball, he was good. Uh, so, some stats here, he had 92.4% passing accuracy, which is obviously impressive. Um, he had the most passes completed in the opposition half as well. So he used crucial to their distribution in that game. And obviously the goal was incredible, as you mentioned. And, uh, I think everything went through him for a large parts of that game. And I think if he does end up going to a more advanced role like we sort of expected from him, I think he could be a real difference maker in this league. Marty, your thoughts on this team, a team I know you loved coming in, and I believe you picked, did you not, to win it all. So what what did you think of that performance initially from the game from game one? Uh, Marco Bustos just completely did not, like, he did not miss a step. He started exactly how we would expect him to play in the middle of the season, right? Like it was, it was, it was, it was really special to see Alejandro Diaz as well. Had a great game. I don't think we've talked about Agreed, too much yeah. about him. Um, I just think that that attack just works. And we haven't talked about Victor Blasco as well. I know this is something you talked about on the broadcast, but he uh, he's unfortunately had to leave the bubble here in Winnipeg. Uh, his, his father has passed away. Um, and you see, you talk, you talk about the team cohesion and like, you know, they held up the kit there. Um, on the celebration, they held it up at the starting 11. And like, you know, he's a player that probably would have featured on, on the left-hand side. I know when the 11 was announced, Charlie, we, we were talking about it. Like this this is also a team that's incredibly deep. And we're going to see that throughout the seat. Well, it's incredibly deep except for at the back. But uh, uh, but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I just think this was this was a perfect start for Pamadukov. For Halifax, I'm not... I'm not too convinced. I'm not sure if we want to talk about them here yet, but uh, I mean, it, it was a tough start, right? Charlie, your thoughts on Pacific? Yeah, they're uh, they're pretty much as advertised. I think that's just to agree with Marty. I mean, we knew coming in that this team would have one of the most entertaining attacks in the league, and they certainly did. Marco Bustos is full value whenever he's on the pitch. And I, I, I really think that there's a chance that he does so at some point down the road this season, he will start to run away with the player of the year award, I think, because he really seems to be coming into this season just fixated on on being the best player in the league. Uh, Pacific's just a, just a really fun team to watch. And I think even without, you know, Matthew Baldissimo was injured this weekend, which is, mm. and he's a very important player for them. He's, and I'm wondering if maybe that's part of the reason that Ali Bassett moved back into that midfield role that might normally be yeah. Baldissimo's spot. So even just you think about the team is going to get better and get healthier 
as the season progresses and I, they're they're looking really good obviously it's one game against a team that underperformed but there's a lot to like about just what pacific was able to do especially in that first half back to our correspondent the game benedict what did you hear from palmer ducar after the game and what did you think about his comments and and he's just a great character is he not for this league you know i was speaking to him prior to the game and he was telling me you know what people look at coaches and think what can you do for players well, now this team has gone to another level. You know, they're challenging me. You know, Bustos and these guys, they're challenging me to be a better coach as well. What were your thoughts about what Pa had to say after the game, Ben? Yeah, that was, that was uh, one of the main things he sort of said was that now since he, he's brought the team to such a level now where they're expecting to challenge for things. And and this was a good start to that. And uh, also talked a lot about that that chemistry and, and the Victor Blasco thing, as Marty mentioned there. Um, he, he's a confident coach. I think he's confident in his team's ability, as he should be. And um, I think that showed on Saturday. Brady, from the Halifax point of view, probably not ideal start. Obviously, we know Stephen Hart was taken off, and that's never ideal. That was, by the way, if those have missed it, was during the match, but one of the what during one of the first uh, lightning delays that was there. Um, actually, the second one. Sorry, it's all a bit of a model for me. Uh, I was live on air trying to juggle around. On the, on the, I mean, there, there was a lightning delay to delay the kickoff, then they came on, played for about thirty minutes, and another lightning delay at that point. Um, <laughs> but by then, the, the Halifax was already two 0 down um, at that point. A little bit of a surprising lineup. Uh, you know, I know Rampasad and Daniel are pretty similar in midfield. They played two up top. Garcia, Kim Garcia just didn't get in the game, was taken off at half time. Um, I guess only one way up from here for them. Yeah, honestly, I think Halifax, much like a lot of other teams who had a lot of turnover and, and introduced some new players into their 11s, like it was a little bit about continuity and familiarity this weekend. And the sides that looked very similar to that they did last year had a ton of success. And you know, introducing yeah, introducing new players into an attack. I thought Karavanovic had had some decent moments, but you could tell he was a guy that you know, maybe didn't didn't know his 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 teammates too too well. And I think we could kind of give him a break there. This is the first game together in 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 a lot of ways, right? So it, it's it's a it's a project. I, I think you know Stephen Hart's a guy who you know obviously we've seen what they've done in the in the U Sports draft, and he's a guy who brings in young players and immediately gives them an opportunity. I think he deserves credit for that. And there's going to be you know there's going to be a learning curve there. So like you said, this is a one-game sample size, and it, it didn't necessarily pan out for them on Saturday, but it was no slouch of a team in Pacific either. No, last point, Benedict, to you again, corresponding on this game. Any positives that you would think Halifax would take out the game? I know you watched it really closely. It seemed like there was a bit of a good relationship between Ruby and Donna on the right. Um, anything there that you can think they can take into their next game and be positive about? Yeah, it was interesting to see. Uh, you mentioned Maury Donor a bit higher up the pitch with uh, Ruby behind him. I think that was that worked well. I think for them, that was one of the one of the brightest uh, parts of the pitch for them. I think was that right hand side. Uh, I thought Kerry Ivanovich was actually pretty good. Um, mm. He had in his limited opportunities, he forced a pretty big save out of Callum Irving at one point. Um, so I think he, he's someone to watch this season for sure uh, out of the U Sports draft. And um, again, Yon Lapere was was decent on both sides of the ball. But like you mentioned him and Rampers had a very similar in the middle of midfield there and. A lot of backwards passes in that game, but uh, on a more positive note, I think uh, one or one or both of them is going to be a huge part of that midfield for them this year. Yeah, it should be a good midfield. It'd be interesting if they wanted to start playing someone like Polisi behind them and really make it a true midfield three and allow them to have a bit more license, but we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Valor against Halifax. So Halifax play Valor on Wednesday. That is their na- next matchup for them uh, as well. And Pacific play York as the opening game on Canada Day on Thursday. Uh, so we look forward to that. And by the way, we'll recap these games again on the next edition of the show on Friday. And all recaps you can read uh, from our guys here on uh, campl.ca. Next 
day was, again, a really good day. A doubleheader on Sunday. Uh, we start with the Chaps. Forge taking on Valor. Rob Gale playing the underdog card coming in. We'll get to his post-match clips shortly. Uh, be giving nobody a chance, they said, and going into the Chaps, into the game. And in the end, what happens? Uh, Valor score after just six minutes, a mistake in there. We only got one angle on it from the broadcast, but there's a, there's a turnover, a ball into Austin Ricci, and then Jakovic was given a foul in the box for a penalty. Uh, so that was a little bit of an interesting start. And then Dyer took that and put it away. And then Ricci again uh, with another turnover, this time with a mistake by Crutzen to score. What a really good solo individual run. The kind of goal you score in a video game, I think. <laughs> uh, it was just that kind of dribbling and then a little bit of a dinker past the goalkeeper. Uh, Brady Reed, you are a correspondent on this game. I'm sure you were expecting to come in and sing a lot of praise on the champs, arguably one of the strongest teams, if not the strongest team on paper. Uh, but games are not played on paper. They're played on pitches and they played on a pitch and lost 2 0. Your overall thoughts and observations of this one, my friend? Yeah. Oh, first of all, as you mentioned, I know, you know, Twitter was ablaze an hour before that game. Just when the 4 11 came out, like, you know, people were, this is this is the greatest team in CPL history. And like you said, it's, it's not how it works. And this is the greatest team in CPL history who've never played together. So, you know, Valor, I thought Valor were mature. Like they, when their 11 came out, I thought that's, that's a, that's an attacking team. And within a half hour, they were up 2 0. And then, you know, Rob Gale says, you know, that this this result, we could close up shop. We can sit back and, and sit in two blocks of four and kind of absorb pressure. And sometimes there's a little bit of a negative tie to that. And when you start from from the off that way, I can I can understand that. But when you're up two nil against the, the repeat champs, by all means, sit in in two blocks of four, absorb pressure. And they did a really good job. I think Forge had two shots on target. And quite honestly, the, the biggest threat for them was probably Nanko off the bench in the final half hour. Really, really quiet mm. afternoon for, for Borges, for Babuli. Um, obviously, Austin Ritchie is, is the individual standout here. I mean, scores the goal, like, like you just said, to, to nick it off Crutzen like that, a very established Canadian Premier League defender, and then to win the penalty for, for the opener. I, we couldn't catch who played that ball. I wish we could because it was a lovely ball around the corner. We had some technical difficulties, but I don't know. Yes, yes, Bubble boy, Marty. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I, I believe I believe it was Daryl Fordyce okay. who nipped that ball in. Yeah. Okay. So that <laughs> he had that, a very good game, Fordyce. He did, and that's yes, what I was going to say. I was hoping it was Fordyce because I was pumping his tires anyways in, in recap. <laughs> so that that plays out well for me. But no, I mean they only had two shots on target themselves. They were just they were clinical early, and like I said, when you get up two goals and then you know you're you're you've earned the opportunity to sit back and, and kind of absorb pressure. So I think it was a mature performance, you know, start strong and then kind of, you know, sit back and, and, and see what you can do defensively. I know we'll get into more on Forge in a second from you, Brady, but um, what did it feel like to write a game where you could actually hear fans? That's right. Valor played a home game. Just don't tell Rob Gale because it didn't feel <laughs> like a home game. But they did during the game and give Rob credit. He gave a shout-out in his post-match media to the fans that were there. Shout-out to the fans. I was saying on the broadcast how great it felt just to hear them. They would make their noise shout outside the gate. We'll get to Marty as well because he was there on the ground in a second. But Brady, to cover a game with with fans how did that feel uh, it's incredible honestly i think i seen a picture last night uh after the match of of, of of a red river rising supporter kind of you know trying to sneak a look in through i'm not sure i won't give any identities away because i'm not sure about the legality of that but <laughs> i thought that was pretty incredible to see you know these guys are, are desperate to see their team and 
after the way they performed yesterday, quite rightfully. But no, it was it's cool to hear, you know, some some genuine audio on the and, and not necessarily, you know, a recording of, of some supporters, but some genuine supporters making noise, whether it was outside of IG Field or not. I thought that was awesome. Oh, one hundred percent. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just sick inside of these fake noises <laughs> on games. Uh, Marty, you don't have to worry about that. You get to go to these. What was it like? Yeah, I, well, maybe I'll, I'll give the whole rundown. Like as we're leaving the hotel, there were Valor fans outside, outside the bus. Uh, I'm not sure if you, any of you saw the signs that they had. Uh, Becker drinks hot dog water. <laughs> Borges claps when the plane lands. That was really good from Red River, <laughs> Red River Alliance. Yeah. yeah, that was really funny. So and then, you know, on our way to the field, there were vans, um, multiple vans around us that had Red River Rising um uh, flags at the windows and they were following us and the buses to the stadium and then yeah they're packed right in it made it made such a difference and it was it was honestly they you could kind of see they're up on the concourse level like brady as you described they're kind of like looking through that fence but it was so loud in the stadium you could hear every single word in it yeah it, it was it made such a difference it really did it, it was uh, it was incredible and all the, and making fun of kyle becker was uh was a nice touch as well but to get to hear all those lyrics was uh was 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 a treat was a treat <laughs> mario let me come back to you on this because all week we've heard from rob and the team saying there's no home advantage here we you know more more teams have been playing on our pitch and training on our pitch than we have we've been put on three different fields we can't go home in all seriousness we joke a little bit about it but in all seriousness they're away from their families they're literally you know mile, miles away from their own bed they're in a bubble they can't see people that they want to see it must it must be pretty difficult to be on the ground even when you are playing at home so at least it was nice to have that a little bit of an advantage for them because they are they are facing setbacks within that bubble that other teams are not. And there are a couple of players that are like one player is two blocks away. I think it's Jose Galandis two blocks away from his house right now or his apartment. Like that's, you know, that that's, that's such a strange place to be, but I, yeah, I mean, if Rob's listening to this, I don't buy that there is no home field advantage because it's still your stadium. You still have fans, you know, you still, you still know that turf. Like they could, they clearly knew that turf better than anyone there. I don't know. I, I, I don't buy it. Do not Rob, buy it. Rob Gale was a, an enormous story of the opening weekend, the kickoff in Winnipeg, and we wouldn't have it any other way. We love Rob. He is a, an outstanding personality, and he had a number of things to say after the match, so let's have a listen. We don't need any extra motivation in the room. Uh, One Soccer does all that for us, and uh, they can continue to put their best players out because the players read it. I, it's water off a duck's back for me, Ed. I've been in the football game a long time. I know what I'm about. I know who I am. I know what I'm trying to build here as well as my staff. We know with the resources we got, we work hard to try and do the best we can with it. Look, I just want respect for my players. Austin Ricci, it's unreal, the, the comments that I see and people tell me. Uh, Kevin Allen and Sean Rea, the technical quality. Andy Baguero, when he came on, the way we kept the ball in the tight space, that's all I asked for. Uh, respect for my players, and I don't think they get it enough, and hopefully tonight... Uh, the comments will be changed, but we know it's only the first game and we've got to step up and, and be better in the next game. Big shout out to Joe Seroir, 20 years old today and a clean sheet on his professional debut. So really pleased for the boys, Austin, for Moses, for Joe especially and uh, the collective group. All right, gentlemen, what do we think about this? Mr. Gale throwing out little pot shots at the media at one soccer. By the way, I think he's also throwing pot shots at all four of you guys because he talked about lists mm -hmm. that were out there. So, uh, Charlie, let me go to you first. Uh, <laughs> you're the one who tweeted out the thing about one soccer. We had some fun on this as well. Um, 
Does he have a point? And more importantly, if you're, when we're in the media, how much do you love this? Because we this is what we want, isn't it? Storylines like this. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Like Rob has always been been a coach that loves this sort of thing. He loves to to call people out, um, and it's it's usually usually pretty good fun when he does so. Uh, but maybe maybe he has a bit of a point. I mean, Valor has kind of quietly gone about building quite a good team over this off season. They've I think I think we maybe forget how well they played at certain times at the Island Games last year, because uh, obviously a lot of the attention goes to the the top four that went through, but mm-hmm. we kind of forget. I mean, Valor won a game four nil last year, that yeah. uh, maybe yeah. maybe goes a little bit under the radar, and they've got some some incredible quality. They've got a lot of players that maybe haven't always produced the kind of results that would stand out in a CPL. I mean, I think Austin Ricci is the best example. He looked really good at the Island Games, but he didn't get his goal. So we didn't really we didn't really come away from it talking about him, and maybe if they're starting to put it together, they're starting to, you know, turn these performances into things that stand out on paper. Then I think we're going to be talking about Valor a lot more. Marty looks like he has something to say. He's got, think, Marty's always got something to say. Let's hear it. I think I think I think he has a point to a certain extent. But the Austin Ritchie thing was funny to me because you know he goes over to the camera and obviously does this. And yeah. Charlie, I know like I know for a fact that we've been incredibly complimentary of Austin from the Island games. Cause obviously he hasn't scored a goal, but we always couch that by saying, yeah, he didn't score a goal, but he was maybe Valor's best offensive player on the whole. Also on a team that had what, like eight goal scorers that all just got, you know, put, put one in the net. Like I just sort of see that. And I think mm-hmm. I, I, none of us were, none of us were ever criticizing Austin Ritchie. We knew when he came from, from York, he's a completely different player. Like he was, he was so effective even on, on on Sunday, right? You think about a player like Sean Ray that got matched up against like Jonathan Grant, you know, completely uh, out, out, just like out, out marked to the game. But you have someone like Richie, who's who's like a little bit more powerful, who can hold the ball up. That like, and again, Christian, as you mentioned, that video game goal. Like, I just I just sort of look at a player like that, and it's like, no, nah, we we knew you were good. It's all good. <laughs> I'm all in on this. You know what I mean? I don't. I'm all in on this. You know, <laughs> he know. scores his first professional goal and then tells the haters to be quiet by putting his hands to his ears. It's just, and then after the game says, you know, we know all the noise. You know, we don't listen to noise, but we know all the noises that we can't score goals. So it's, you know, we know they're listening and it's fine. You know, we love it. I'm all, I'm all in. This is what we want. And by the way, Bala, every credit to them because they played an outstanding game. The energy mm-hmm. level was there and transition. They were in the face of Forge. They wanted it quicker. They wanted it more from the whistle and there has and it has to be said they're a little bit like the way Canada is seen around the world in the CPL this underdog team a little, a little bit you know, trying to punch above their weight let's be honest they don't spend you know the, the resources that some of the clubs have been able to get out there so every credit that they came out there and by the way you, I think Charlie was one mentioned it Galan was hurt Reyes is still waiting for his ITC Bukamutu is in France you know Galado's still in quarantine we can go on and on and on Master Cashew wasn't really fit Soto wasn't fit properly either so more to come and if you are listening and I'm sure you are there will be love for Valor in the team of the week this week uh, yes there will be players in there the Gatorade team of the week I'll be posting later you will be getting your love uh, final point back to our correspondent on this game Brady um, that's right we haven't talked much at all about the champs uh, strong team on line uh, lineup on paper but in the end as uh, Bobby Sminiosa said after the game, if you give away two presents like that early and then it's very difficult to defend, uh, very difficult to go past that defense, defensive low block, not a ton of goal-scoring action in the end for them. 
No, no, there really wasn't. And, and honestly, the, the beginning of the game, their shortcomings were at the back. And I kind of got into this a little bit in, in the match analysis. It's, it's not a slight on Dion Jakovic. He actually settled into the game pretty well. He's obviously a very established player internationally for Canada and, and in the MLS level as well. But it's just hard to come into a team, I think, at that position probably more than anywhere to, you know, get yourself familiar with your, you know, with, with Crutzen, where that would usually be David Edgar. And I think, I think they'll figure it out. It's not a crazy cause for concern, but this is what Bobby's been saying for recent weeks, right? Like this team is probably going to learn on their feet here in Winnipeg. It's, it's kind of a great opportunity for everybody to do that. I thought he was playing chess a little bit. Maybe, maybe there's something to it. And so I think mm -hmm. you could see it was even a tale of two halves. Wasn't it Forge had a lot of the ball in the second half, not necessarily in, in threatening positions, but they did settle into it in the end, full credit to Valor for, for kind of being able to keep them at bay. Yeah, I like the way they didn't really change their style. You know, you know, mm -hmm. they had a work coming in midfield and they tried to get Becker out wide a little bit. But just the second time ever in Canadian Premier League game that they've been down 2-0 in the first half. Just goes to show you they do not get to play from behind like that no. very often. Uh, next up for Forge, Canada clash against Edmonton. Next up for those plucky underdogs, Valor, a match against Halifax on Wednesday. Uh, okay, fourth game of the weekend and the final match, Cavalry 2, York United 1, the rebrand. York come out and play a pretty decent game, a really close game, but in the end, much like is a familiar tale for those that follow this small time, a little bit of a rivalry, York often close, but can't get over the line against Cavalry. The same again here, often a mistake uh, again, and in this game that caused them a problem. We'll get into that as well. Uh, Charlie, you're our correspondent for this, reading the game, uh, writing the game, you can go check that out, but Marty, you were at the game as well. Let's lean on you first, Marty, on this one. Your overall observations about what you're taking, remember, from this match. I don't think York was as bad as maybe I thought they would be. <laughs> they, well, no, I mean, no, I mean, like I, I, I just considering all considering everything, if you lay it on the table, the, you know, the lack of training time, the new players, like the new positions that, you know, like we saw, we saw Ensa in the middle of the park. Like I thought Norva Hoven had a good game. You know, he's obviously a newcomer. Like I thought, I thought it was overall like pretty good performance from York. Um, from Calvary's perspective, they're still so hard to play. And yeah. I know Char I know Charlie wants to talk about Jose Escalante, so we can just get right into that now. Like it just it just I mean, it just makes such a difference, right? Yeah. I, I I'll just run with this. I forgot how fun of a player Jose Escalante is and how like I forgot why exactly Forge fans still hate him so much. <laughs> they still do. They really, really do, even though he didn't play against them last year. But he's just such a nuisance the whole time. I think there was one time when uh, Cavalry went offside and and the whistle blows and he just runs in and kicks the ball at the net anyway just to just to annoy people. I but saw then, that. Such a pest. He's he's just a pest and a personality. And it's not just that; he's also an incredibly talented player. I mean, him and him and Sergio Camargo in the first half were just a huge handful for for these York fullbacks. That that goal that Camargo scored. I mean, Escalante just comes zooming in. We gets a, he gets a switch of play from Victor Latouri. By the way, 100% passing success in this game, which is phenomenal for a 20-year-old in you know, his second, third professional game. Very good player. Escalante whips in that inch-perfect cross to Camargo, who does so well to, to fight off, uh, I think it was Petrasso, and to dive and, and make that header. And then just... The absolute audacity of a player like Jose Escalante to even attempt to pick Roger Thompson's pocket for that second goal and just immediately just thump it at the net from behind him and to have it go in. It's just it's just phenomenal. And 
I know that all the cavalry players love this guy. Yeah. Everybody who's watching from a neutral perspective has to love him as well because he's just so entertaining to watch. And they're like the league is better off with Jose Escalante in it, I think. And I mean, you you could you could see that Roger Thompson goal as a bit of a gaffe, but I think Jose Escalante deserves all the credit for like the timing when he went, like all of it. It's uh, yeah, he he makes such a difference. Long story short, he makes such a difference, and Calvary's still so hard to play against. Yeah, still they know so hard, right? They, like, they know how to win, and then we'll get to that in a second with players that they're missing as well. But Ben, you see players like that gamble all the time. And 99 out of 100 times, they never get to the ball. And he gambled Escalante and got the got the goal. I said on the broadcast, actually, I thought probably at that point, Ingham shouldn't have passed Thompson the ball. I know Brennan after the game was quite critical of Thompson, but uh, Ingham could see the field overall. Yeah. Uh, Benny, your thoughts on uh, Escalante's performance and, and what happened on that goal? Yeah, like Charlie said, Escalante's uh, – the league's better with him in it, like Charlie said, and I think very few players in the CPL would have even attempted to do that picking off Thompson like that, but he did it and it worked because of course it did with Escalante. Um, and I, I, yeah, with Ingham, I think Thompson had Escalante near him and, and uh, on the right side, there's, there's an open player who, who didn't receive the ball, whether Thompson passed it to him sooner or, or Ingham did it himself, right. or at least, at least the teammates telling Thompson, like be more vocal with him. I think you guys saw him on soccer last night. Like um, just, just tell him like Escalante's coming in. So get rid of it soon. And, and they didn't, and he didn't. And Escalante, benefited from it charlie uh, what day of the week are you ordering your escalante shirt <laughs> oh it's in the mail <laughs> <laughs> there you go maybe marty can get one signed for you out there <laughs> marty marty's in the bubble with these guys you know he's, he's, they're, yeah, not even allowed, they're not even allowed to ha- leave i'm sure marty can pull some strings i could i could track him down shouldn't yeah. be a problem yeah, exactly uh marty what about your thoughts on york you mentioned that uh, we both talked about that a little bit about the fullbacks mohammed and Petrasso playing as fullbacks obviously playing a little bit further forward for with Ferrari. I know it caught them out a little bit. Petrasso couldn't really get into the game in that deep position. Um, but has to be said, again, that if it wasn't for that mistake that we've highlighted a lot here, they would have got something out of the game. And perhaps the way they grew into the game in the second half, as you said, probably may have deserved something. But yeah, a bit of a throwback to see Petrasso at right back. That was uh, that was interesting. Um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that the absolute free kick was fantastic. They had a decent spell in the first half too. Um, Max Ferrari on the right, I really liked. He he had a, he had a couple decent sort of penetrations there. Um, yeah, I I really like Verhoeven. Verhoeven playing with a bit of spunk is 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 good for this league. Uh, you know, he, I think he had a, I think he had a rough go at Pacific last year. You know, obviously he didn't play much, but you know, when he's given that opportunity as as an attacking midfielder, it's, I mean, you you could see it there. But yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think, I think, uh, I think, well, I think Jimmy Brennan said this in in before the season. It's going to take time. You know, they're they're not they're not kidding themselves with how yeah. how their their season has gone. So I think this is like honestly a great start. I don't think anyone should walk away from this game thinking anyone uh, anyone disappointed. Um, yeah, and I'll, yeah. I, I, again, I liked how they lined up. I'm just interested to see how uh, how this all shapes up. Yeah, I was a fan of Loyal Wright. I thought he played yes. well. He right. looks, you know, he's been in Germany, by the way. And you can see he's got sharper uh, and you know still so young. Um, and players to come for them, you know, they got Laverne, Faria, New, you know, Ramirez who came on a little bit could, could do a bit more of a difference. Nicholas Hamilton. So there's still players there. And as for Cavalry. That's the story as well, is it not, Charlie? Uh, in terms of players to come, Dikiara only came off the bench. You know, there's a there's a there's a, there's a way of looking at this team and thinking 
wow, you know, Mason's still in quarantine. Minotel's hurts. You know, Ali Moose is still waiting for his ITC. This is a team that just knows how to get it done, no matter how they put out there. And still, uh, players to come who didn't play from from the start in this game. Yeah, that was pretty. That's kind of something that Tommy Wilden Jr. actually went through after the game when, you know, we were we were all heaping praise on his attack, and he says, "Listen, guys, this is only half of our attack because mm-hmm. the yeah. other half is is still to come." And I think that's a little bit scary, especially when one of those guys is, as, as you mentioned, Joe Mason, who, uh, you know, has done some things in his career and, and will probably be a phenomenal player once he gets in into play striker. But I really think Cavalry does just have so much depth. And I think maybe more than we actually realized. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's just so many players that can come in and change a game. I mean, Joe DiChiara, he plays the last half of this game or the last half hour of this game. And the match changed maybe immediately when he gets into it. It just, as soon as it, as soon as he comes in, his team's up two nil, it becomes this just really gritty physical contest where he just had no problem with sliding directly through his former teammates, which was hilarious. Would we <laughs> expect you, anything different? What, what Absolutely you, not. <laughs> what, 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 did, what did I say in the chat, Charlie? Death taxes, Joe D going through a former teammate. <laughs> <laughs> he had no problem with it. And he, he really did change the game just when Cavalry was trying to, you know, hold on to this lead and lock things down and York was trying to contest with them a little bit physically. But I don't think any team in the CPL would really be able to beat Cavalry in, in a really physical match because that's something mm-hmm. that they've shown that they're always up for if they have to but just to have players like that that can come in and immediately change a game is such a luxury mm-hmm. for for yeah. a lot of teams that that maybe don't necessarily have that you have guys you throw on and you hope that they're a little fresher but cavalry has players that can completely drastically change mo farsi as well comes on at halftime Came on half time, Same thing. yeah Same they thing. are they are deep they create a lot of chances and they know how to win different games in different environments right the different gives no matter whether it's a stop start game or faster by the way they got younger as well mm-hmm. and and i know you know it's not easy replacing one of the best defenders in the league and he was on the other side and that's all but clock played very well as coming in as replacement as well um all right good job Brady. last word for you and uh, before we get to the quick fire round so i don't know if you guys have got your answers but get them ready uh, the quick fire round is coming up uh, Brady, overall, I thought the outstanding, uh, it was an outstanding weekend of high standard of football. You know, ultimately, there's a lot of things against these teams, not many teams with any kind of preseason coming into a bubble, very difficult time to get ready. But overall, your thoughts on the four matches at a high level. And many teams and many coaches have told us the standards have gone up this year. And I thought you could see it right away. Yeah, I think exactly what you just said. I think more than one coach in their in their post-game press conference when you know, they got a little bit of kudos for the way their team played. They said, listen, all eight groups in this in this league have done a lot over the past nine months to improve. We're raising the standard together. I thought you could see that. The fitness wasn't necessarily 110%. I think around the 60-minute mark in most matches, you could kind of see a little bit of a lull, and that's usually where you would see your, your mm-hmm. double, if not triple substitutions. But that, that, that's just natural at this point. I think Ottawa were probably the, the fittest side, and, and again, they were in Madrid soaking up the sun for two months. So it, that checks out, right? So, but no, I mean, with regards to quality, 100%. I think come two, two, three matches in when all these teams are, are up to speed, they know what their best 11 is and, and they're kind of getting their, their feet under them on the turf. I think the, the quality is only going to improve for sure. And I, I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with it this weekend. All right, let's get into it, boys. The rapid round, quick fire round. Uh, Benedict, we'll start with you. You are somewhere in the world wearing your Pacific shirt right now, and someone's just come up to you and said, hey, who was the player of the weekend? 
I'm gonna go for Pacific player. I'm gonna go with Ollie Bassett. I think he was he was brilliant and uh, definitely the player of the game in that game. I think and probably the weekend. Ollie Bassett. All right, Charlie, you're around the world. You're wearing your Forge kit. Forge <laughs> fan comes up and said, "What went wrong this weekend?" I know you're not gonna pick one. So who is your player of the weekend? Yeah, if, if that Forge fan would hate me because I think it's very obviously Escalante for me. <laughs> Escalante, of course. He's, he would say you're wearing the wrong shirts. You yeah. need to go get Escalante shirt from Marty. Uh, Marty, you're wearing your jeans and your Edmonton shirt and you're matching really nice. Uh, you're around the world. What have they said to you? Who's your player of the weekend? Uh, I'll grit my teeth and say Escalante as well. Escalante, two <laughs> votes for teeth. <laughs> What's with the teeth grinning? No, I, I mean, I'll be wearing an Edmonton kit. I'll be saying a cavalry player. Right. Okay. Right. There you go. Nice. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. I get it yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brady, you're in your Valor kit. You're Rob Gale's best mate. Who's your player of the week? Uh, I'm going to pick on behalf of me and Rob Gale. I'll go with Austin Ritchie, please. <laughs> you just saved the show. I'm nice. not going to lie. If you hadn't come up with Austin Ritchie at that point, and if you hadn't picked any Valor player, uh, then I would have been uh, probably getting a phone call. So every and, and yeah, and Brady very clearly picking a side here. I love it. I love it. This is good. This is good. We have, this is going to be a theme going on all season, by the way. You know. Those of you who don't know, Rob Gale went straight out of his way to ask Brady on the press conference where he's from. They're already bonding. Uh, Brady's wearing his valor kit. You the know, hair is not the hair. Off, actually. You're not that far <laughs> off. You know, yeah, yeah. You and Austin Ricci and Rob Gale are going to be, you know, you're going to be buddies. I know it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm going to go with the valor connection. I'm going to go with John Baptiste, who was an absolute beast at the back for valor yeah, yeah. as well. Uh, but I'm not wearing a kit, so I didn't get to answer it. All right, Ben, back to you and your Pacific kit. Your favorite goal of the weekend. I think a theme might be happening here, but it might not be. Let's go. Are you going to carry on with your boy Bassett? I'm not anymore. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with D.D. Navzi's uh, free kick. That was, that was perfectly placed and as an important goal for York. Charlie, your favorite goal of the weekend? I don't know why, but I keep coming back to that Marco Bustos goal. Just the, the power nice. to kind of drive through and, and to finish with the left foot kind of falling down. It, I really love that goal. Marty? Yeah, I'm going to go with Bustos as well. Yeah, there's, there's something special about the buildup. And, and yeah, something special. Because I'm assuming someone's going to pick Bassett. Brady? Yeah, I'll go Bassett. I thought all game, my, my reaction to him was, you know, this kid keeps it simple, and there's nothing simple about that. That was <laughs> that was something else. So that, that really kind of gave me a second win when I was watching the match. There you go. I will go with uh, Viti Martinez because it was the opening goal of the weekend, the curl on the left foot. And he also recognized pretty quickly that Connor James was scrambling to get the ball and at that point could just hit it with his sweet left foot and a great, great opening goal for the season. So Viti Martinez, but good picks everywhere else. Uh, Ben, back to you. Player you think better off now than you did before. Whose stock went up for you this weekend? Yeah, one for Rob Gale. I'm going to go for Stefan Sabara, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, the center back for Valor. I thought he was excellent. He 96% passing or something. He led the team in interceptions. Was just was just a rock at the back all game for them. Good pick. Like that. Uh, Charlie? That's a great pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Tobias Vershevsky for Edmonton. Uh, oh. I was a little bit concerned when Easton Angara wasn't starting, but he was great. He was really good with his feet. Fast. Got pace. Should have like had a goal. That. Like that as well. Uh, what about you, Marty? I'm going to go Austin Richie. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say... I'm going to say... Federico Pena. He had gorges oh, yeah, on his side. He had gorges on his side, and it was all quiet. He, he, I think he did a really good job. Obviously, matched for pace, and yeah, managed it. Valor like getting all the love. They're not going to. They're not going to know what to do with this. By the way, uh, <laughs> this goes against the the the, the, the tone. Uh, Brady, what about you, my friend? 
Yeah, I'll actually go back to Edmonton and take Asua. I thought he looked pretty good yeah. in more of an advanced role. And I had to check his Wikipedia page. I was like, this guy hasn't scored in the CPL. It seems impossible <laughs> with the way he was marauding up the, the flank. So I don't think that's that's going to stay around for too long. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I will go with Pena as well. He was on my list. So great shout, Marty. And he, by the way, he played, he's, a, he's an attacking player. He played right back, moved to left back to allow Baccaro to come in at right back. Mm-hmm. It was excellent in both wings. And yes, I'm giving away a little bit of one of my picks in the Gatorade team of the week. All right, let's finish off. Uh, who's Which two players, will? which two teams will make it to the final of the Euros? Taping this on Monday morning. Who's getting to the Euro final, Ben? I'm not going to name the team that I'm cheering for. I'm not going to say who it is. Don't jinx them. So I'm going to go for Italy and the Czech Republic. Czech wow. Republic in the finals. <laughs> wow. Come for the hot takes. Uh, ben wearing his Pacific shirt, picking the Czechs in the final. Charlie? Uh, I'll go Belgium and Denmark. Belgium team and of Denmark. destiny. There you go. Marty? I haven't been able to watch any of these games the last couple of days. <laughs> None of us have, mate. The, the Don't worry, we're, we're, all, we're all crazy, crazy busy. But so, yeah, yeah uh, Belgium for sure uh, making to the final and then England because I know Benedict wants to pick them but doesn't want to say it out loud. See, you, you, at least you know you're still in it. I thought you were going to pick the Dutch or something because I haven't seen any games, so I'm going to go with the Dutch. No, no, no. no. Thankfully, they're, not, they're, they're no longer around, unfortunately. Uh, Brady, your picks for the final. Yeah, a bit of a humble brag, but my uh, bracket's still looking pretty good, so I'm going to stick with England and France in the final. England and France, and that is not a bit of a humble brag. That is just a full-on brag. Uh, but okay. Uh, 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 I'm going to go with Charlie as well, because I initially picked Belgium-Denmark at the start of the tournament, and that's not a humble brag, because I know it if it's happening. But uh, that's who I went with at the beginning to make the finals as well. Uh, all right, boys, we are done. That's, this has been week one of the Canadian Premier League kickoff in Winnipeg. Uh, this has been the Newsroom Podcast. Reminder, you can basically subscribe on all your platforms there thank you for rob gale for the wonderful sound and for joining us earlier even though we didn't know he joined us a reminder this week uh valor versus halifax on wednesday atletico ottawa against cavalry on on wednesday as well thursday york versus pacific edmonton against forge my team and i in the newsroom will be all over it on all of your canadian premier league uh content wherever you can go and we'll be back on friday to recap match day two in the canadian premier league take care of each other and have a good week